Hello and thank you for tuning into Sideline Story, your destination for sports news, analysis and discussions. I am your host, Brandon Yates, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Yang Guang Fuyu and Tian Yu. And today we will be talking about the resumption of the UEFA Champions League. Of course, the action this season has been really incredible. And Yang Guang, I will start with you. Which game um, in this past week was the most exciting for you and which of the first leg Losers, in your opinion, potentially have the better chance of making the comeback. Um, yeah, my try served the game of the week, PSG versus Bayern Munich. Um, as a Bayern supporter, of course I enjoy uh, seeing my favourite team win, especially in matches like this in the Champions League. I would not necessarily call the game uh, exciting. It's, it's, not, it's not an open game. Two teams apparently reserved their full firing power to avoid being hit on the brick. Uh, but it's still a great game in terms of the mind battle between the two head coaches. Nagelsmann was very successful in the first, uh, say, 70 minutes. Bayern totally dominated the game. The substitution of um, putting Alfonso Davies on led to the goal. Uh, meanwhile, credits to Christoph Galtier for taking decisive action to Sandy and Kylian Mbappe right after conceding the goal, which caused many troubles for Bayern's defence and almost helped them uh, level the score. So it's a, it's a very quick reaction from both managers. Um, Mbappe once again proved how much of an impact he can bring uh, once he steps onto the pitch, even if um, he just returned from injury and not 100% recovered. Here is what Nagelsmann commented on Mbappe. In the end, we could have scored a second or third goal after we made it 1-0, which would have made the last 20 minutes a little easier for us. But it's clear when you see Mbappe play, what an exceptional player he is, and what a game-changer he can be for the whole stadium. But he won't get such a warm reception when he plays at our stadium. Um, so the 1-0 scoreline left a lot of imagination for PSG players and um, fans in the second leg. I know Mbappe made a very inspiring speech after the home defeat to encourage teammates to fight back in Munich. But I have to say, um, Bayern won't allow it to happen. And I personally believe in a home-playing Bayern team. They don't make many mistakes. Uh, but speaking of um, comebacks, I would anticipate Tottenham to make one uh, when they returned to London playing against uh, AC Milan. Spurs were not themselves in the first leg. Harry Kane, Son Heung-min, Christian Romero, they played really under par in Milan and uh, I expect them to recover and they just need one goal to be back to the game. Yeah, I think these clashes between PSG and Bayern Munich over the years have been incredibly interesting and exciting. And like you said, not necessarily for um, the amount of goals scored or the the free-flowing action, but just the tactical uh, battles between two massive European sides that, of course, have uh, plenty of stars on the pitch and, you know, managers that are very tactically astute and sometimes play very different types of football. So, yeah, I think that um, particular match this season as well was no different. It was very interesting to watch. And, yeah, the the impact of Kylian Mbappe is just um, pretty incredible to see, you know, just to see him, you know, make his return off the bench, um, whether fully fit or not. Just um, 
the the impact that his speed and skill and um you know finishing ability have um on PSG or any side that he's playing for is pretty phenomenal. And when it comes to Tottenham, yeah, yeah I think they had a, a um there was a lot of promise for them in the beginning of the season, both in the league and in the Champions League. And, you know, I think even getting to this point in the Champions League, considering their overall season so far, is an achievement in itself. And, yeah, they really didn't play against, play their best against AC Milan, you know, um, especially considering the fact that AC Milan missed so many um, really open chances. Some, You know, their finishing was pretty woeful. Um, but yeah, I think Tottenham have every chance of also overturning that um, result when um, the action returns to um, the London Stadium. So yeah, I think those two particular games are still very open at this point and were interesting tactically. But yeah, I think in the second leg, I think things might open up a lot more and we may uh, get to see some more exciting action and some more goals as we always do see. Um, at this stage in the Champions League. Um, for you, from your side, um, I'm sure you had your eye on those two particular games, but were those also the most exciting for you this week? And, you know, are there any other games you had your, your eyes on and any other teams that, you know, potentially lost or had, you know, a relatively poor performance in the first leg that may have a chance of, you know, potentially overturning the result in the second leg? Sure. Um, if there's only one game I have to watch, you know it has to be the the same game, the Bayern Munich PSG clash. But I have some different observations. Th- this one, this game was the first football match that I've watched for the whole ninety minutes in a long time, and uh, I had my expectations for Bayern Munich really low. Uh, so the the defense was not as fragile as I'd, I'd expected. It. It may still be weaker than some of the other big teams in Europe, but for Bayern Munich, which has all, always been criticized for its defense, um, and out of my low expectations, I think the de- defense players did their job. And it also um, reassured my conviction that Jan Zomer is a good deal. The saves he made when he came face-to-face with Kylian Mbappe should have convinced many people why Bayern Munich chose him to fill in for Manuel Neuer. And with the recent fallout between Neuer and the club, I can see Zomer becoming a mainstay even after Neuer's recovery. He is younger, more motivated, and as a new arrival, takes things more seriously. Back to the games itself, um, Bayern again had to swallow the consequences of their lack of efficiency. It was a 1-0 game, but I think they could have scored at least two more. And the right wing seemed weak under PSG's attacks. So I think Paris will have a good chance of overturning that minor deficit in the return leg. But um, Yang Guang just made a very solid point that Bayern Munich rarely make mistakes at home. And um, his opinion just made me more confident about Bayern <laughs> Munich's progression. I really want to see that. And uh, progressing from your home stadium is um, very good for the morale because um, as you go deeper, go further into the Champions League, you will only come across stronger teams. Um, and the, the next leg, especially with Benjamin Pavar being... Uh, given a red card, and um, I think his subsequent suspension may be a bit of a headache for Bayern Munich. Yeah, I think that could be a bit of an issue for them in the second leg. But um, 
Yeah, I think defensively they still look pretty sound. Um, and like you said, I think you know they missed one or two opportunities up front, which I think is pretty worrying considering PSG have so much attacking fire uh, firepower coming back into that second leg, of course, um, with the return of Kylian Mbappe in particular. But yeah, I think Bayern Munich can be feeling pretty confident of that, uh, you know, producing a, a solid performance in that second leg because I think that their performance in Paris was very, very admirable. Um, but I definitely think there's some improvement to come from both sides, which should be very interesting to see. And yeah, I think I agree with you. The signing of Jan Sommer has proven to be um, particularly good for Bayern Munich, especially considering the situation with Manuel Neuer and the comments that have been made. And, um, you know, with his potential situation at the club, I think Jan Sommer's come in and done a phenomenal job. And, you know, he's a very experienced goalkeeper, particularly in... um, of course, the Bundesliga, but yeah, stepped up in the Champions League in a massive game, and it was an, uh, a very impressive performance from him. So yeah, I think um, things are looking on the up and up for Bayern Munich, but I think anything can potentially happen in that second leg. So I think that will probably be one of the most exciting um, second leg matches to watch. One nil is not really is is nothing. It guarantees nothing, especially with the away goals not a thing anymore in the Champions League. That I think that leaves things still open between these two sides. Um, if the away goals were still here, I'd even accept a two-one defeat away. I, I think um, it's very reassuring if you have an away goal. But with that out of the question this season, um, I think 1-0 may not necessarily be a good result for Bayern Munich. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely not a guaranteed progression result. Um, I think, it's, if anything, it's probably just a bit of a confidence boost, which I think Bayern Munich need at this point in time. But yeah, anything is definitely still possible in that second leg. I think um, both sides are capable of doing pretty much anything. And Tianyu, from from your side, would you agree with that those matches were, you know, potentially the most exciting to watch, or you know, have the potential to be the most exciting second leg games? Yeah, uh, I would say uh, the clash between Chelsea and Dortmund was pretty intense. You know, both sides have created many chances during the game, even though there was only one goal. I think Chelsea fans can still have some hope for the next game because, uh, despite losing the first leg in Germany. You know, after splashing out in the transfer window, the Blues have finally seen some improvements in their performance. The joining of Joao Felix and Enzo Fernandez has definitely given a boost to the controlling power of Chelsea's midfield. And uh, Felix's performance was brilliant. His passing was accurate and genius, and his running was also great, as you can always see him appear in the right spot. But when it comes to scoring, he has failed the fans of the Blues by wasting two very good opportunities. And that actually was exactly what the English team needs desperately at the moment. Uh, The ability to score and to transform opportunities into goals. Havertz, uh, Ziyech and Mudrik all wasted some good chances. And on the Dortmund side, they also missed out on some great opportunities, but they just seized the most important one. Karim and Yemi's solo goal was really amazing. He showed his speed in the one-on-one with Enzo Fernandez. And um, talking about defense, we can see both teams actually left some loopholes in their defense line. Enzo Fernandez was a great player, and he did pretty well in the position of defensive midfielder. 
Uh, but I think he's still more inclined to the position of a number eight player. He liked to press ahead in defense, and when he did that, it would leave huge space to the attacking players of Dortmund. And there is no one for him to fill the gap. He needs someone to do the dirty work to stay in the back and maintain their formation. And apparently,、uh, Loftus Cheek was not the one that can handle the job.、Uh, so I think they need to deal with this hazard in the next game. Uh, and overall, I would say even though Chelsea lost the game, the fans can still see some promising signs from their performance. I think they still stand a chance of winning the next leg in Stamford Bridge. And Chelsea now has、uh, won only once in nine matches since the start of the、uh, start of、uh, the new year. So they need a win to prove themselves and gain some confidence. So the head coach、uh, Graham Potter should think of a way to better fit the newcomers into the squad. And、uh, the players also need to become better at seizing opportunities. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think、um, with the Chelsea situation, it seems like Graham Potter is under a lot more pressure than the players themselves. And I think that match against Dortmund is one of the reasons why, as as we could see, as as football observers, I think、um, his tactical decisions didn't really pay off. I think I agree with you. Enzo Fernandez was exposed defensively. Um, even though he is a really world-class talent going forward and with the ball at his feet, I think that he definitely needs support defensively, which is something that I think Graham Potter should have been aware of. But having said that, I don't think he expected the poor performance from Ruben Loftus-Cheek because I think Loftus-Cheek has been really good in the Premier League so far this season, and he is a very talented、um, overall midfielder, but has been performing well defensively. But yeah, he just wasn't anywhere to be seen、um, against Dortmund, and and I think definitely left、uh, Fernandez exposed.、So、that is something that Graham Potter definitely look, needs to look at, and I think it's something that can be addressed. And I think that Chelsea can still be full of confidence going into the second leg against Dortmund, like you said,、um, Tianyu. But、um, yeah, I think that they, you know, they've just got so much depth in their squad and so much attacking talent and. They've given Graham Potter a strange headache in ter- in terms of deciding who plays where and just you know who even actually gets to play, particularly in the starting eleven. So that second leg and the tactical decisions made by Potter for Chelsea and just the team selections that he makes should be very interesting to see. And I think that will also be a very exciting second leg clash. Yeah. But of course, one of the biggest teams in the Champions League、um, and just in Europe,、uh, Manchester City. Um, you know, so much is expected of them、um, as it has been season after season, and they haven't really delivered the goods in the Champions League as of yet. And I think this season may be another struggle for them, just because of what is happening off the field. Unfortunately for them and for Manchester City fans, of course, we know that Manchester City are being、um, involved in a financial investigation from the Premier League, and supposedly a lot of the points that were brought up. Against them were brought forward by other Premier League teams,、um, but Yang Guang, do you think that、um, the Manchester City squad and potentially Pep Guardiola will be bothered by this financial investigation? And do you think that Guardiola will still be the man to lead Manchester City to a UEFA Champions League title this season, or potentially in the remainder? Of time that he has at Manchester City, however long that could be. Yeah,、um, to me, I think City will stay calm、um, before any concrete outcome would be imposed, or there would be a closure to these charges against them.、Um, if there's any difference made from the incident, I, I think City are now more united. It's like 
Okay, the 19 other teams in the Premier League want us to be largely affected in this title contention by these charges. Now let's show them it's not going to happen. Um, this brings extra motivation of the, to the team. I think it's the mindset of the team management. It's the mindset of the players. It's the mindset of Pep Guardiola. You can feel it in a recent press conference by Guardiola. My first thought is that we are already being condemned. So, like, it's happened, what's happened right now, these weeks after Monday, it's happened the same what happened in UEFA. That UEFA, it was a condemned. We were, uh, we had already accusation, now we have just charge. Why should, in that moment, when overturned the situation, when they, what they told me before, they defend the accusation for UEFA, the club proved that we're completely innocent. Why should not think right now? when there is not, not even accusation, it's just condemned, it's just charges or suggestions. So you have to understand that uh, between 90 teams of the Premier League is accusing us without the latest opportunity to defend. And the word of my club, my owner, my chairman, my CEO, my people explain everything during these three or four years. You know exactly in what, on what side I am. City um, previously faced a similar situation in the UEFA, and that time the decision of banning the club from the Champions League was overturned. They know what to expect. I think the off-pitch affairs won't distract them when they play against an RB Leipzig next week. Actually, they stayed very much concentrated this week against Arsenal in the Premier League, and I have to say, as things stand, City is the favourite to win the Champions League title this year. Uh, with Erling Haaland, their finishing execution and abilities have been hugely upgraded. Previously, Guardiola might have some second thoughts on his squad to make some surprise lineups in key powerhouses encounters, which often backfired like the case in the, uh, in the 2021 Champions League final. Uh, but now I believe Guardiola has no such problem. He has found a rather stable regular squad that is reliable in games like playing against um, Arsenal, Spurs, Liverpool. City fans should be very optimistic about their Champions League prospects this season, I think, because they deserve the title. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think that this investigation, I agree with you, does seem to have, I'm not sure if it's united them, but it's definitely inspired them against Arsenal, you know, and also just in the press conferences from Pep Guardiola and from some of the players and also just some of the the reactions from the fans when you hear them, you know, in the crowd, for example, booing the Premier League anthem and, you know, things like that. It seems like they've really um, united behind the team and the team themselves um, seem to play with just a little bit more of an edge and a bit more of an of aggression, particularly against Arsenal. And they de uh, delivered a really impressive performance against, you know, one of, if not the best teams in the Premier League this season. So it'll be interesting to see if they have a similar performance in the remainder of their games in the Champions League. And yeah, I think that um, their, their, their squad is incredibly strong. Of course, the, the addition of Erling Haaland has been incredible. And I still think Pep Guardiola needs to find even better ways to integrate Haaland into his tactics and provide him with more scoring chances. But having said that, he's he's already um, Haaland himself has already delivered just some incredible performances, and his numbers this season in the league and the Champions League have just been astronomical. Um, the, my only concern for City is sometimes the defensive uh, decisions and uh, selections made by Pep Guardiola. I think he's still a little bit unsure of what his um, 
best defensive selections are, which could potentially be a problem as they progress through the Champions League. But yeah, I think they are definitely still one of the favourites for the title this season. And um, yeah, I think that these issues off the field won't have too much of an effect on them. Um, Tianyu, would you agree with um, what Yang Guang said in terms of um, their uh, Manchester City's performances and their chances of progression regarding what's happening um, off the field with the financial investigation? Yeah, I'm totally with Yang Guan. Uh, you know, at first sight, the, the allegations faced by City seem to be pretty appalling. You know, they were charged with 101 breaches of competition rules, and the potential punishments also appear to be very serious. Uh, you know, their points in the league may be docked, they may be stripped of their titles, and even expelled from the Premier League. But actually, I think that these charges won't pose too much of a threat to the city because, you know, the club has, has actually been under investigation for breaching financial rules before and was then cleared. Uh, in 2020, UEFA decided to suspend City from the Champions League for two years for overstating its sponsorship revenue between 2012 and 2016. And however, as we know, that sanction was overturned. And also in 2014... UEFA found City in breach of his financial fair play regulations, but then reached a settlement as City paid a 20 million euro fine and presented reduced squads to the Champions League. So considering these precedents and the contributions that City has made for the Premier League and also the money they have, I think it's very likely that the club can get away with these allegations this time. For you, do you think they are still the favourites to win the Champions League? And do you think that they could potentially be affected by these financial investigations as the season progresses in both the Premier League and the Champions League? Or do you think that um, some other team um, could potentially be the favourites in the Champions League this season? Uh, first of all, I don't think the accusations, the whole investigation thing will affect City in their competitions. I suspect that they knew what they were doing because the Premier League did not find one violation. It did not find two or 10 or whatever. It found them violating over 100 rules. It could only have come from a club that's been doing it like it's routine. And... um they have been doing it for years. Like um, both Tianyu and Yang Guang mentioned, City have been in a similar position before when they went under investigation by UEFA. And um, whatever the investigation finds, I mean, this time in the Premier League, it'll stay at the board and the management level. The team themselves will only be affected if there's substantial punishment like bans or worst case scenario expulsion, which I don't think will happen. And if it's just a fine, it won't affect them at all because money is the last thing Manchester City owners will consider uh, when they're trying to win titles. At this point in the Champions League, um, has it been five six seasons since Pep Guardiola took over the squad. Um, I think many people have been waiting for it to happen. Um, they've been waiting for Manchester City under Pep Guardiola to finally win that Champions League trophy. And um, yeah, I agree that they are still one of the favorites, um, especially with the arrival of Erling Haaland. Um, Pep Guardiola finally has his most lethal weapon, but the the uh, manager himself could be very stubborn uh, at times. You don't know when things might go wrong um, in any of the links. It might be the player, the 
the manager, the referee, or just the wrong chemistry. So if everything goes well, I think City are the favorites for this year's Champions League. But、um, Pep Guardiola seems like a very unpredictable person. If he if he sticks to something that doesn't work, it could be catastrophic for for the squad. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, as as we've seen Pep Guardiola's career progress, he seems to have become more and more stubborn. And you know, I suppose we can't, as football observers, can't really blame him. Just considering the incredible success that he's had over the course of his career, but I think sometimes it is to his detriment and to the detriment of his team. But I think this season in particular, the squad depth that he has, the options that he has available to him, I think that this is potentially the best chance that City have ever had. Of winning a UEFA Champions League title, so it'll be interesting to see how their season progresses, as well as the season of some other UEFA Champions League European powerhouse teams that have been so successful in the past. So we will definitely be keeping our eyes on UEFA Champions League action as it resumes, which will be very, very exciting to watch indeed. But that is all we have time for on this week's episode of Sideline Story. Thank you so much for joining us, and of course, we will be back next week. With our latest topic, and we will see you then.